This is I Hear Things for Friday, March 18th, 2022. I'm Tom Webster, and today we're going to talk about podcasting's most controversial statistic. Yeah, it's a clickbait title, but you clicked on it. I think I'm going to deliver, though. We'll wait and see. Next Wednesday, March 23rd, we're going to premiere the Infinite Dial 2022. It's our flagship study in the audio space, and this year, uh, very delighted to have Wondery and Art19 as our sponsors. I'm going to be presenting it live on Wednesday, March 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern on stage in Los Angeles at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Now, if you aren't attending Podcast Movement, either physically or virtually, you can still watch it live for free, and I'll leave a link in the show notes where you can register to do that. But before we release Infinite Dial, I want to share a statistic from our ongoing podcast consumer tracker service, and it's going to make you feel something. I'm just not sure what. In our podcast consumer tracker research, we track what we call the reach of every podcast network and of the leading podcasts in the space. Now, we define reach as the percentage of weekly podcast consumers who listen to at least one show from that network or podcast in the last week. Now, so far, in the 11 quarters of data that we've collected from nearly 25,000 listeners, we've seen a lot of stability in those reach percentages, at least for the networks. Not a lot of growth across the board, but not many declines either. The exceptions are those networks that have made major acquisitions or licensing deals, like Spotify's deal with Rogan, SXM, who is currently the leader in reach, uh, and their agreement with AudioChuck and that sweet crime junkie audience. And of course, iHeart's acquisition of Stuff Media, those kinds of things. Now, these sorts of deals have a significant impact on the overall reach of a network and certainly affect those reach numbers to a greater extent than simple organic growth does, given the pace of overall audience growth in podcasting. Now, a year ago, as an experiment, we ran a calculation on these numbers. If an advertiser were to buy run-of-network spots, in other words, advertise on every single podcast that a network owns or at least sells for. How many networks would you have to buy to reach half of the available podcast audience, or at least, as we define it, half of weekly podcast listeners, which is what we track in the PCT? Now, what this math estimates is the unduplicated reach of multiple networks, and it's the unduplicated part that requires a little bit of explanation here. Now, let's say the Steve Austin Show, wrestling podcast, has an audience of 10 people. And another wrestling podcast, Talk is Jericho, also has an audience of 10 people. It's highly unlikely that the unduplicated reach of those shows put together is 20 people, because I bet there are people who listen to both shows and they don't get double counted in that calculation, right? So if Steve Austin's audience consists of five people that only listen to Steve Austin, five that listen to both Steve Austin and Talk is Jericho, and then five people who listen only to Talk is Jericho, the unduplicated audience for those two put together would be 15 humans. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Now, on the other hand, if you were to compare the overlap of, say, the Joe Rogan experience with the audience for NPR's children's podcast, Wow in the World, you might find little to no overlap between those two audiences, unless there's some really disturbed children. So an unduplicated reach of, let's say, 10 hypothetical Rogan listeners and 10 
hypothetical listeners to Wow in the World, might indeed net you 19 or 20 unique, different humans. Does that make sense? Now, if buying all four of the shows I just named cost the same amount of money, and they all had equal audience numbers, and your goal were to reach the most humans possible in a cost-effective way, you would buy Rogan and Wow in the World, and not the two wrestling shows. Now, all of this is important to the advertising conversation, because sometimes advertisers just want to buy scale. That's particularly true for brand advertisers. And they are looking for the most efficient way possible to cover the largest audience. It's not the only way to buy podcasts, nor is it the best way necessarily, but it's an important part of a, of a multifaceted offering, and it's an important part of a complete revenue model for the space. All right. I nerded out for a bit there. I spent a lot of time on unduplicated reach because I want to make sure that everybody understands it. Now, when we ran these numbers a year ago, we discovered that you could reach 50% of weekly podcast listeners if you bought every show, run of network, on the top seven podcast networks. Now, some people found that depressing. I remember Nick Kwa uh, wrote about this when he was the editor of Hot Pod, and he found those numbers a little troubling. So that was a year ago. Seven podcast networks got you 50% of weekly podcast listeners. Well, we ran those numbers again. As of our most recent report, the cumulative four-quarter average for the quarter ending Q4 of 2021, you now need only to buy run-of-network advertising on not seven, but four networks to reach 50% of weekly podcast consumers. Now, how you feel about this number depends on who signs your check, I guess. But it highlights what I was talking about on last week's podcast and really what I've been hinting at for weeks now. It is hard and it is getting harder to be an independent podcaster. On the last show, I talked about finding ways to collaborate with other podcasters in a, in a common feed, if not something as elaborate as a network, in order to pool your own unduplicated reach numbers and break into that next elusive tier of audience as far as listeners and downloads are concerned. Things get easier for you when you can do that. Like I said last week, reach begets reach. But beyond that, independent podcasters really all need to start working together for the good of the medium. The Podcast Academy is a wonderful organization to educate and celebrate the craft of podcasting, and I, I support it wholeheartedly. In fact, you're going to see very soon exactly how much I and my Edison colleagues support the podcast economy. The, the, I'm not going to edit that. The podcast economy, yes, we support that. But also the podcast academy. I'll have more to say about that shortly. But the remit of the podcast academy is not to support the business interests and the financial success of podcasting the medium. It's doing something different. The larger companies in the space, those top networks, well, they're currently doing some of this through the IAB, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, but I don't see a P in IAB, and the cost to join the IAB is really not in the independent podcaster's budget, I can tell you that. Now, I know there have been previous efforts to start a trade organization to lobby for and support the monetization of podcasting. I was an advisor to one over 10 years ago, the Association for Downloadable Media, and the last few years have seen similar efforts start and lose steam. But you really need to sort this out. You really need to start wielding your considerable power as independents together. 
Now, previous efforts haven't failed solely due to ego, but ego has had its part in the play. But maybe today, knowing that 50% of weekly podcast listeners can be bought and reached with four networks and without having to wade through thousands of indie shows, maybe that'll give you a little kickstart. And I want to help with this. I really do. I I have a day job. I'm sure you do too. But if indie podcasters do not find a way to organize and consolidate their buying power, some of the monetization options for podcasting are just not going to be available to you. But indie podcasters, you're not the only people I'm talking to here. If your check is signed by one of the top 50 podcast networks or so, you have your own part in the play. Over the past few years, the influx of new listeners to the medium has really changed the character of the overall audience. Old-timers like me who have been into podcasts for many years, we're just that. We're into podcasts. We're into podcasting. But much of the medium's growth over the last three years has been from bringing people into the fold through platforms that are not podcast-specific, like social media, which mainly showcases text, videos, and pictures, streaming audio players, which mainly showcase music, and YouTube, which mainly showcases video. All of these newer-to-podcasting platforms have one thing in common. They're not there to build podcasting the medium. They're there to build their platform. And the people discovering podcasts through those platforms They're not there because they're fans of the medium. They're fans of a show, maybe a fan of two shows, but they aren't necessarily hunting for more podcasts to listen to. Now, many will happily take whatever the platform plays for them next, whether that's Taylor Swift or my dog videos. Right now, the larger networks are doing everything they can to build their unique audience, and that's fine. They have obligations to their shareholders. And the leading platforms for podcast content are doing everything they can to grow their user base. And again, that's fine. But if these significant players in the space, both producers and platforms, don't also devote some resources to growing the medium itself, to tending the garden that we all share, that garden is not going to grow. And that is going to hurt all of us. Now, there's no question that the podcast industry has become less collegial and more competitive. And that's, that's a good thing. It's, it's evolving. But even in the most competitive industries and media, there are bodies that pool their time and treasure into the promotion of the industry itself. Now, mark my words, podcast growth is going to slow down. And when it does, that garden of shows you are cultivating, it's going to run out of room to grow unless you find a way to make the entire garden bigger. You must cooperate to do this. You must pool and devote marketing resources. You must sing the song of podcasting to the world. As any number of Uncle Ben's and one Aunt May have told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. Now this all matters to all of us, and I'll close here with a personal take on a show about podcasting that I bet many of you watched and enjoyed. Only Murders in the Building was on Hulu. Was this a great show? Yeah, you bet. I loved it. Martin Short and Steve Martin, they're goddamn national treasures. Selena Gomez, really become a fine actress. It was warm. It was funny. It was a well-deserved hit. It also didn't do podcasting any favors. I've seen countless New Yorker cartoons basically lampooning podcasting, as well as any number of articles that paint the fans of these shows as, well, let's use the negative connotation of the word devoted. 
And add to that the perceptions that everyone has a podcast or that podcasts are just people with opinions in a mic. And I'm not sure that only murders in the building did a lot of positive things for the medium. Podcasts are weird and wonderful. And there is indeed a podcast for everyone. The industry needs to collectively tell that story. Podcasting has a good thing going here, but it's time to take the next step. Thanks for listening. You can support this show at buymeacoffee.com slash Tom Webster. It all goes to Treats for Walnut, the dog behind the dog videos that you may have seen. I'm Tom Webster. I'll be back uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Don't know. Infinite Dial is kind of a big thing. Uh, But I will be back at least within two weeks, if not sooner. Thanks for listening. 